today, I'll be reading from Jonah, the second chapter, verses 1 through 10, ESV. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over to me, over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Let us pray. Father, we come into your presence now to hear your word as it is proclaimed. We come, give us ears to hear, give us a mind to receive, give us hearts to be moved by your message of hope and steadfast love. God, we, uh, we relate to Jonah, Lord. We, we know that we have wandered, we have gone away from your ways and from your path. And God, we pray that you would call us back to you today. As we in our own lives go down, 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 God, that you would meet us in our poverty of spirit. And you would meet us there with your grace that transforms and redeems and saves. Salvation belongs to the Lord. God, give us ears to hear today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. Look, I know we're wearing these face coverings and it makes it hard, like even singing. I'm listening today for the voices and it's hard to hear one another. All I hear is my voice singing. I'm like, I know everybody's singing, but I don't hear it. Look, this is where we are, but God called us together to be together. And so if you're here today in person or online, uh, be encouraged that God has called you here today and God has a word for you today. God has something to say to you. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. God has a word for you today. And that's what we expect as we open God's word. Amen? Amen. So let's give God our best. Let's give him our full attention. Now you might be wondering, what is this box up here? I don't know. if Is anybody wondering, why is there a cardboard box? A couple of you were wondering. Okay, well, let's check it out. This box was on my bedroom floor 
underneath my dresser. And this box has been on my bedroom floor, underneath my dresser, for, I don't know, how long? Years? <laughs> for years. And a little while back, Laurie pulled out this box from underneath my dresser, and she said, I'm going to throw this box away. And I said, no, don't throw it away. I need it. Are y'all curious what's in it? All right, let's see. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Y'all recognize that? This is an old camera, an old camcorder, and it does not work anymore. An old hard drive. That's what was in the box. Now, why am I hanging on to all this stuff? Why did I save this stuff uh, from, from destruction. You never know when you're going to need it, right? And you know what? I think, I think sometimes we think we know why we were saved. We know what God saved us from. Okay, we know God saved us from hell. God saved us from His wrath. God saved us from destruction. Right? But what were we saved for? That's the question today. Not what were we saved from, but what were we saved for? And if you're like me, a lot of times I feel like in God's, uh, like, like I'm sitting on God's bedroom floor and, and I've been tucked underneath his dresser and God maybe has a purpose for me, maybe not, I'm not sure because he hasn't seen, he hasn't, nothing seems to be happening in my life. And, and, and so today the question is, what are you saved for? What are you saved for? And as we enter into this text we have a song that Jonah wrote from the belly of the fish. He is in the middle of his salvation. He is in the middle of... He hasn't been quite all the way delivered yet, although he has been delivered from death. But he's in the middle of it, and he's asking and he's pondering the question, what am I saved for? And so that's what God's going to answer for us today. God has saved you for relationship. God has saved you for freedom. And God has saved you for worship. God has saved you for relationship. God has saved you for freedom. And God has saved you for worship. Let's jump in to verses 1 through 4. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open it up and, and follow along there. It's, I know it's on the screen, but it's a good practice to to bring it up on your, on your phone or on your analog Bible, uh, paper Bible, bring it up. Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Uh, excellent reading today, uh, Latifia. Thank you. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the... Saying to God, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet 
I shall again look upon your holy temple. You see, Jonah enters into a, 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 a three-part chorus where he repeats what has happened to him. He's, you ever go back and play back what, what just happened in your mind? You, you, know, you play it back over in your head. Well, that's what's happening here. He's playing it back over, and he does this three times in this prayer. And the first time he, he plays it back, he, he begins in here in verse 3 where he says, For you cast me into the deep. Into the heart of the seas and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. See, he's remembering what happened to him. He's remembering what we remember. That he was, he was tossed out of the boat. He was cast out of the boat in the storm because God's judgment was falling. And it was, it was falling on this group of sailors. And, and they were innocent. Jonah was the one here who was running from God. And so, as Jonah is tossed over into the waves... Now, by the way, who tossed him into the waves? The sailors did, right? But that's not what Jonah says. Who does Jonah say tossed him into the sea? Yeah, he says, God, you cast me into the deep. Uh, We like to look at other people and say other people are doing things to us. But, but, But when we reflect and we think on what is God doing, we see God's hand even in the difficulties and the distresses of our lives. And and Jonah cries out in his distress. We talked about this last week. He cries out in his distress and God sends a great fish to swallow him. He's at the point of death and suffocation. He's drowning and God saves him. Miraculously, God intervenes and saves him in the belly of the fish. Jonah sees the hand of God. You cast me into the deep. And then in verse 4 he says, I am driven away from your sight. Now I find this interesting that Jonah says, I am driven away from your sight. Because uh, let's be honest, Jonah. Who decided to run away from God? Who decided to go down to Joppa when God said go to Nineveh? Who decided to get on a boat and buy a one-way ticket away from God's presence? Who was that? Who decided that? Jonah did. Right. But, But here, Jonah is saying, I'm driven away from your sight. He's saying, how did I get this far from you? It's like, It's what sin does to us. You see, sin is disobedience to God. And what sin does to us is it creates distance from God. It creates distance from God, relational distance from God. And so we're no longer in His presence, but at some point, the distance takes over. At some point, we've said no to God enough times. We've said Forget you, God. Forget what you say. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do this my way, God. And at some point, our distance takes over. And we realize we're not actually in control. We realize that the distance we wanted from God has landed us in misery. The distance we wanted from God, like we made the choice to leave God. But at some point, that choice overtakes us. At some point, we get in our misery that all sin leads to. God tells us over and over, sin leads to death. Ultimately, all sin leads to death. Disobeying your parents leads to death. Lying leads to death. Lust 
And adultery leads to death. All sin leads to death. But we don't believe it. Right? We, we don't believe it because we don't experience it immediately. But eventually. Eventually, the, the rebellion takes over. E- eventually, God says, okay, you want to be distant from me? Let me let you experience what that's like. You know what hell is? Hell is being distant from a relationship with God. And, and, and the heart of all sin is getting away from that relationship. It's, it's wanting to be distant from me, saying, God, look, I don't believe you, and I'm not going to live my life like you want me to live it. I'm going to do this my way. And brothers and sisters, at some point, at some point, God says, okay. Nobody is in hell that doesn't want to be there. Nobody is in hell that doesn't want to be there because we tell God we don't want you. And so God gives us what we want. And so Jonah, in his prayer and in his distress, he says, I am driven away from your sight. He knows he, he, knows he ran away from God, but he's experienced it as a force outside of his decisions. You see, sin has gotten out of his ability to maintain and control. You know how when you tell a lie, right? You tell a lie, and then that lie takes on a life of, it own, of its own. The lie takes on a life of its own, and it, and it ends up destroying you and hurting you and hurting other people. Do you remember the story that Jesus told about the prodigal? Do you remember the story of the son who said, uh, I don't want a relationship with my father anymore. I just want your money. And so the, the, the younger son says, give me my money and I'm out of here. And he goes and he, and he spends it in reckless living. Uh, the word prodigal means reckless. He, he, he spends it in reckless living and, and, and he spends it on, on booze and women and entertainment and fun. And then when the money runs out, what is he doing? You remember what he's doing at the, at, at the end when the money ran out? What's he doing? He's eating pig food. He is literally eating the pig food. It's the only job he could find, feeding the pigs. And he's eating their food. And it's in the pig pit that the prodigal son says, I miss my dad. It's in the pit that the prodigal says, you know, he would probably accept me back as a servant. And, he, and he, he comes to the end. He goes down, down, down. So far that he sees that his only hope is to call out for mercy. Because his sin has gotten out of his control and it's overtaken him. And it will always do that. It will, it will always do that. Our choices that we make, our choices to come to worship on Sunday morning or not, our choices to to follow Christ when he tells us to love our neighbor as ourself or not. Our choices to obey God even when we don't like it or we don't understand it. Our choices to distance us from God. Take over. And we realize at some point that we've lost control. We realize that we're really actually miserable. But here's the hope. Not only does Jonah rehearse this fall, this down, 
upward spiral that he's in, he doesn't just rehearse that, but he also rehearses the grace. Right? He says in verse 4, I'm driven away from your sight, yet, best word in the Bible, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. See, what he's saying is, even though I'm at the bottom, I know that there's hope. I know that God is mercy, yet I know that His mercy will bring me back into His presence. Right? He is in the bottom. And He says, yet I shall look. And so, listen. This is your application. You cannot get too far from God. You cannot get down far enough from Him in your in your mind, in your heart, in your actions, you cannot get far enough away from Him that you can't cry out to Him for mercy. And that He will not welcome you back into a relationship with Him. See, that's what God wants all the time, is a relationship. And and, and God is saying to Jonah, I saved you for me. I saved you to know you. I saved you so that we can love one another. So that we can have intimacy God God doesn't just want you to sit in a box under His dresser. He wants to know you. He wants to love you. He wants you to experience. He's given us His Spirit to indwell our lives. To renew our minds. To give us an experience of God's presence in our lives. That's what God wants for you. He saved you for relationship. He saved you for relationship. The psalmist uh, in Psalm 139 said, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Even if I go to the depths, you are there. And see, that was written before Jonah. Jonah's remembering some of this good Bible stuff. He's remembering that he cannot flee from God's presence, even though he tried. God saved us for relationship. And secondly, God saved us for freedom. Look with me at verses 5 and 6. Now, he's, he's, he's going back now. He's reliving it again. He says, The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head and at the root of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, You brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Jonah is describing his experience of being trapped by his sin and the consequences of it. He's he's describing weeds wrapped around his his head. Have you ever been trapped like that? Have you ever gotten your foot caught or, or maybe your arm caught in something and you panic, that moment of panic? Even, even maybe swimming in a pool and you realize you were too far from the surface and you, you panic as you're trying to get to the surface again and something is keeping you down. and That's what he's experiencing. He's saying that I'm trapped. He's saying I'm imprisoned. And he call, notice the language he uses here. He says, I'm, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. What's he talking about? What kind of bars is he talking about? prison bars, the land of Sheol, which is the place of the dead in the Old Testament. It's where dead people go to wait judgment. And, and, and he, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cage. It's a prison that he's describing. He says he, can, he, already, he already heard the gates latch. He already heard the bars close. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. 
He's already experienced the sensation of death as he's going down. You see, sin not only distances us from God, but it imprisons us. It enslaves us. It traps us. It robs us of our humanity. If you've ever been to a prison to visit prisoners, as you should, as a Christian, we're supposed to visit those in prison. When we visit prisons, I've never seen such inhumane treatment. Such inhumane treatment of human beings made in the image of God in our prisons. And if you've experienced that, or maybe you've, you've been there, or you've seen it, that's what he's describing here. He's saying, I, I'm, I'm imprisoned. I've lost my humanity. Sin traps us. It robs us of our humanity. And we no longer do what we want to do, but we do what sin wants us to do. That's how it works. We end up doing what sin wants us to do. I have a credit card called Chase Freedom. (laughs) Some of you are already laughing. Chase Freedom. The marketing is no accident. Uh, The marketing uh, is on purpose. The marketing of that communicates a lie. And the lie is this. Just spend the money and don't worry about it. You're free. Just spend the money and don't worry about it. Don't worry about paying it back. You're free. (laughs) Chase freedom. It's a lie in my pocket. Why? Because Chase will chase you down if you don't pay your bill. Uh, They will chase you all the way to a debtor's prison. They will chase you down so that you owe them everything. And some of you know what that's like to be in debt, to be trapped, to be imprisoned by the lender. It's a picture of what sin does. Sin promises you freedom. Uh, Sleep with me and you'll experience happiness and joy. Uh, Just tell a little white lie and you'll get out of the situation. You'll be free. Uh, Cheat on this test, just this one, and, and, and you won't have to worry about your grades. You won't have to worry about having to tell your parents that you didn't study. You see, sin always promises freedom. Sin is like my credit card. It's, it says, chase freedom, but it's lying to you. It's lying to you and it's lying to me because at the end of the day, as Jonah found out, sin leads to bars. Sin leads to imprisonment. The very first temptation in the garden was a temptation to live life and be free from God. And we know that when Adam ate the fruit, it plunged humanity into a curse. That none of us can escape sin now. None of us can escape it. We're all born guilty 
and we add to it every day. When we turn from God and we go our own way, we add to the imprisonment. We keep charging the card. We keep charging the card without paying off our balance. In the story of Jonah, there's a word that's repeated three times, and, and it's repeated the third time in our, in our verse here, uh, in verse 6. And that word is down. The, the Scripture tells us the story of Jonah. Jonah's telling his own story. And he says that I went down to Joppa. And then he got on a boat, and it says that he went down into the, the bottom of the boat. And then here in verse 6, he says, I went down to the land whose bars closed on me forever. See, he's going down, down, down. And he's recognizing that sin and rebellion against God, what it ultimately does is it doesn't give me the freedom it promises, but it gives me a prison. It gives me a prison. He's sharing that with us. He's telling us it leads to death. That's what those bars are. That's what Sheol is. It's, it's death. How far have you gone down, brothers and sisters? How far have you run away from God? How far have you run from Him? How far have you uh, rebelled against Him? How far have you gone have you gone down? Have you gone down, down? Have you gone down, down, down? Like Jonah. How far have you gone down? Do you feel the, the, the misery of where that's led? The shame that we all experience in our sin? The feeling of of guilt and, 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 and the, the way it traps us. It's not what we were made for. But it's what our rebellion against our maker brings into our lives. It's what our rebellion against our maker brings into our lives. Down, down, down. And maybe you know somebody who's experiencing that right now. And you know God wants you to pray for them. If they are, we were just talking about a, a relative before the service who um, committed a murder. A relative. And you think about that life that's gone down, 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 and you think that it's hopeless. You, you think there's no way for someone who's committed murder to be able to, to be redeemed or to be saved, but God says, no! God says, I will redeem even the one who has gone all the way down. And so it's our job as the church to, to, to pray for people and to lift them up and to speak the truth and to speak the hope that God is save, saving people for freedom. Galatians says, it is for freedom that He sets you free. Do not be a slave any longer to the passions of your flesh. Go read Galatians 5. And he says you've been set free for freedom. Because God doesn't want you living behind bars. God wants you living free. God wants you living, experiencing the joy and the love and the kindness and the hope of the life that He has for you. He wants you not only to get saved, but to live saved. 
And not only you, but everyone in your life needs to experience that joy. Experience that hope that God can rescue you from the place where you went down, down, down. Look at verse 6 again, right in the middle. He says, yet you brought up my life from the pit. He says, I'm down, 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 yet you brought up my life from the pit. And what does he say? Oh, Lord, my God. This is the guy who's been distancing himself from God this entire story. And now he's proclaiming in the belly of the fish, Oh Lord, my God. And the Lord wants to be your God today. He doesn't want to just be the theoretical force in the universe that got everything going. No, he wants to have a close relationship with you. And he wants to set you free from the bondage to sin. That we are all born in. Set you free from the guilt and the penalty of sin. And set you free in your life. So that your life can reflect His goodness and His glory. Like you get to live a life of love. You get to live a life of joy. You get to live a life of kindness and hope. You get to be, uh, you get to be the, 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 the air freshener in the world. You get to be the air freshener in the world. You get to be the yeast in the bread. You get to help the world see that this world and this pain that everyone feels is not the end of the story. Salvation belongs to the Lord. We are saved for relationship. We are saved for freedom. And we are saved for worship. Look with me at verses 7 through 10. And when my life was fainting away, Remember, he's, he's, re, he's reviewing, he's, he's going back, he's reliving it again for the third time. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer finally came to you. <laughs> he doesn't say finally, but I'm putting that in. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I... With the voice, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Now look, God saved you for a purpose. And that purpose is a purpose of worship. What is worship? Worship is what we do at a football game. It's cheering for our favorite musical artist. It's giving praise where praise is due. And that's okay. We should worship and honor and give praise where praise is due. But all of that is because we're made to worship God. That you are actually made to worship the one who created football and who created music. We're, we're, we're supposed to worship the one who brought us all of these gifts. And, and, and not just the, I mean, we're, we are, sometimes when you look at creation and you're just in awe, the moon the other night was incredible. I looked up at the moon and I thought, wow, what, what beauty. The colors. I mean, the, the moon, right? The moon is so boring. And here it is in all of its glory. And I'm thinking, praise God. Praise God, I worship the one who made the moon and who set it at just the right distance from the earth so that life can function. God has a purpose for you. You were saved for worship. 
Jonah says, I remembered the Lord. All worship begins with remembering. Uh, we're, we're forgetful, right? We, we forget. what It's the hardest thing to do when we pray in our family at night. We pray before bed. Worship is the hardest one we struggle with, isn't it, guys? It's the hardest one we struggle with to praise God, to think of His attributes, to think of what He's done, to think of His, uh, His, His worthiness. We spend so much time worshiping everything else. Vain idols. But God created you to worship Him. I mean, who else is worthy of praise? Only God, the Maker and the Redeemer of all things. And so as we enter into worship, we need to bring to mind. We need to actively think and remember what God has done. We need to write it down. I've talked about journaling before. Write it down. What, why should I praise you, God? And start writing that bullet list of because you're excellent, because of your wisdom, because of your grace, because, and because of what you've done, because of what you've done in my life, because of what you've done in my family's life, because of what you've done in the lives of those in the Scripture, and just write it down and worship God. Come, we come to church so often just wanting to do the duty of church and, and check it off of our list, right? Now i got to do this thing called worship. No, God wants it to be part of who we are. We were saved for worship. Jonah's prayer, uh, one of the, actually one of the criticisms of this prayer, um, which is odd, is that it contains other scriptures. And, and some of the criticisms of this uh, prayer was that it wasn't original, that Jonah didn't actually write a prayer in the belly of the fish, but this is just a compilation of other scriptures brought together. This is what some of the scholars say. But what are they missing? They're missing the fact that Jonah grew up in the church. All right? Jonah grew up singing the Psalms. Jonah grew up hearing phrases like, salvation belongs to the Lord. Did you hear it in Psalm 3 in our call to worship today? That was written before Jonah. All right? He didn't make that up. He got it from church. (laughs) He got it from church. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The very beginning of his prayer where he says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. Those words are borrowed from Psalm 18 and Psalm 120. See, Jonah knows his Bible. He better. He's a prophet, right? He knows his Bible. He grew up in church. And the truth of God's word is now flowing in him. He's so familiar with it. Now, it didn't keep him from running away from God, right? I mean, growing up in church doesn't keep you from running away from God. But when you are down, down, down. All of that truth that you have received, that you are receiving right now, all of that truth, it wells up in you in the moment that you need it. And God brings the truth to bear on your situation. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Right? That's the ideal. That I would remember God's word and that I would put it into practice. Like so many believers throughout history, in his moment of distress, in his moment of imprisonment, Jonah sings praise to God. I mean, think about Paul and Silas singing in prison. 
Think about Martin Luther King Jr. and the freedom fighters singing in prison, singing praise to God. So many examples through our history of God's people being oppressed and punished unjustly much of the time. Singing out praises to God. Worshiping God. Their lives are they're going to the stake to be put to death and they're singing praise to God. Singing bars behind bars. Jonah says, but I with a voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. He says, yes, I've, I've, I've gone down. And, I, and he's thinking back about all of the others who, who have given their lives to idols. He's thinking about his fellow Israelites and how they've, they've given their lives to idols. And he realizes his own idolatry in his heart. And he's turning from it here. He says, what I have vowed I will pay. He says, he says I don't want to forsake the hope of steadfast love. Steadfast love, y'all. Hesed love. That's the Hebrew word. And it's God's never giving up, never failing, faithful, always and forever love. It's God's love that we don't deserve. It's God's love that he pours out on people who are down, down, down. Salvation belongs to the Lord. All the glory belongs to you. Have you ever watched somebody walking down the road with headphones on? This happens a lot on my street. And so somebody's walking down the road and they're just like, they're, they're like bobbing their head, they're dancing. They might, like, I've even seen people do a little spin move. And, you're li- and if you're outside, there's like nothing happening, you know, because all the music is, is on the headphones. They're moving to the music. And, and I would submit to you that, that praise should be the soundtrack of your life. That, that, that you should be like that crazy person walking down the street who people look at and kind of wonder, uh, what's up with that person? Because praise is the soundtrack of your life. That, that praise would be so much a part of who we are that we would immerse ourselves in the Psalms. We would immerse ourselves with the songs of the church. Even literally what you listen to in your headphones, right? And, and being in worship. Week in and week out, being reminded of God's goodness and His grace. Uh, getting to see others worship God. Sometimes we come in here and, and I think, man, I'm not in it today. But I see you, and you're praising God, and it lifts my spirit. And I know you've experienced that too. When we lift one another's spirits because we were saved for worship. So fill your life with God's Word. And most of all, fill your life with the gospel. Now, what do I mean by that? The gospel is a proclamation. It is a word of victory. It is a word of victory. It's a good news. And what it means is that you do not have to live trapped by your sin anymore. It means that God has made a way for you to be brought back to Him by grace, not by your diligence or your good effort but simply by his grace as we receive it taking his word for it that's what faith is taking God's word for it 
that he meant what he said. And, and I want you to think about how Jonah organizes this prayer. He organizes this prayer, as we've discussed, by playing it back in his head three times. If you go back and look at it, at, each, at the beginning of each of these sections, uh, verse 3 and verse 5 and verse 7, he, he goes back to his distress. He, he brings himself back to the, the distress, and then he says, yet God save me. And he goes back to the distress, and he says, but God. And he goes back to the distress, and he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. And see, that's, that's an example for us. That's what we should do in our lives. We should rehearse. We should play back what God has done for us in our salvation. We should go back to the distress we were in. We should go back and say, you know, I, I was running from God. And look at what God's done. Look at how God saved me. Look at how God's forgiven me. Jonah's prayer at every point, it directs our gaze forward to Jesus. Because when he says that he was driven away from God's sight, we remember Jesus on the cross. Who in his moment of despair said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so just as Jonah was driven away in his sin and redeemed, Jesus was driven away in his innocence. He was driven away because He gave Himself for us as a sacrifice. As an atonement, as an offering for our sin. He was driven away so that you don't have to be. Jonah says, I went down to the land of Sheol. I went down to the land of the bars. I went down to death. And if Jesus Christ didn't do the same thing, if Jesus didn't stay on that cross and suffer human death, not a fake death, but a bloody, horrible death, if He didn't suffer that death, if He wasn't driven down to the land of death, the, dare I say, the land of Sheol, to bear the weight of God's wrath and His punishment willingly. And when He was there, He paid off your debt. When He was there, He looked at that, uh, that balance sheet and, and, and He wrote His name over it. Jesus Christ. He forgave you for every debt you've ever incurred. Every debt, every sin, every weight, He paid it all. In fact, on the cross he said, tetelestai, which is a, a term that means the debt is paid in full. He cried that out on the cross. It's translated, it is finished. And that's what it means. The debt is paid in full. At the end of Jonah's prayer, he says, I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. And doesn't that point to Jesus? It points to our sacrifice that we have in Him. It points to the one who made a vow to live righteously and did it. Who showed up in His humanity in ways that you and I never will. And because of His life, we get not only debt-free, but we get righteousness. You see, when God looks at you, He doesn't see all your mistakes. He doesn't see all your sin. When God looks at you, who are in Christ, He sees a life that is righteous 
He sees a life that is good and just and holy and full of love because your life is covered with Christ by faith. When he looks at you, that's what he sees. He fulfilled the vows that we make. And now we can live our lives in thanksgiving to him. Brothers and sisters, put God's salvation on repeat in your life. Put God's salvation on repeat in your life. You were not saved for nothing. You weren't like the stuff in this box. You're not just sitting around collecting dust. Because listen, God saved you for a purpose. To be in relationship with Him. To worship Him. And He saved you to live free. To live in freedom. The Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this uh, incredible record of salvation and of what it is for. And Lord, I pray for everyone here today that we would believe it, that we would uh, put our faith in you and, and, and put our faith in the Lord Jesus and what he came to do in living and dying for us. To put our faith in him who overcame death on the third day and rose again, was vomited out on the dry land, so to speak, so that in him we could live free. We could worship you. And in him In Him, we could truly walk with you and have that relationship with you by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.